0: Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called... Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the Medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks of Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of Medtech's clear leaders, so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast, and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hey, everyone. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Today, we'll speak with Vince Ricano. Vince is the president of Medtronic's ENT business. This is an important business in its own right, but of course, it made news earlier this year with the announcement that Medtronic would acquire publicly traded Intersect ENT, which was uh, one of those high profile medical device companies that uh, had made a lot of progress as a startup, had gone public, and uh, had Medtronic as an investor all along. And Medtronic uh, ultimately decided that now was the time to bring its technology in-house. So we'll talk with Vince about that deal, about why they made the move now, and about what how Intersect will fit into Medtronic. We also talk more broadly about uh, Intersect's ENT business, where the growth is, and how the care for patients will change, and most specifically, where the care for patients will change. So it's a great conversation with Vince Ricano. But first, we'll talk with Chuck Sarin. He is Vice President of Industry Marketing for MedTech and Life Sciences at Propel, a maker of a cloud-based tool to manage product development. Chuck, please tell us more about Propel and what it offers.
1: Propel is a product success platform that really enables companies to build better, safer, and more effective products and bring those products to market faster. We really do this from concept to customer and cover the entire product lifecycle. And, and also, we're uniquely a QMS, a PLM, and a PIM, or commercialization solution all on one platform. So we eliminate what's commonly three disparate systems and eliminate those huge gaps in data leakage and connect these systems, people, processes to reduce the cost of quality. We also enable you to design, make, market, and sell and service your products. So being natively built on Salesforce, we really unify that product quality, service, and customer records for true enterprise collaboration into the sales and service clouds. And then rest assured, being built on the Salesforce platform, we also give you all that security, scalability, analytics, and reporting and a very highly extensible to your processes. All
0: right, we'll hear more from Chuck Saren and Propel a little later in the podcast. If you want to find out more information about propel, go to propelplm.com. Well, Vince Ricano, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, Tom. I'm glad to be here.
0: Great to have you here. Uh, before we get into the conversation about the uh, ENT group at uh, Medtronic, and there's certainly a lot to talk about, especially with uh, Intersect ENT's uh, pending acquisition, which we'll get into later. Uh, I do love to learn how folks found their way into the, the med tech industry.
2: Well, like a lot of folks, it was mostly by accident. I got out of college and a local company, I was living in Miami at the time, had an opening uh, for a finance role, which I took. The uh, company was called Cordis. Mm-hmm. And um, took the role and did that for about three years and decided that finance was not what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and ended up moving into marketing, took a a product manager role for a number of years, and then subsequently went into the field as a sales rep in the Philadelphia area. And then I left uh, Cordis and went to work for USCI Bard up in New England, which is now part of uh, BD. Uh, There I moved in international marketing because I had grown up in Europe. My mother was European, so spoke a few languages, so ended up there for a number of years, finished there as director of uh, marketing for the electrophysiology division. And then seven years later, decided to make another change and joined Medtronic in 93 in the coronary vascular business in uh, San Diego. And had have been there now for uh, 28 years in different functions, returning back to Europe, working in Europe for a number of years, running the coronary vascular business, and then joining um, what was then called Zomed, which was a new acquisition in 2001 that Medtronic made in the ENT field.
0: Your your answer, or at least earlier in your career, your answer, though, just piqued my interest. What languages uh, do you speak?
2: The one I'm truly fluent in is German. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to school there for six years.
0: Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right, great. Well, let's get a sense of uh, your ENT business. We've talked about the reorganization on this podcast in the past. Uh, you're leading the ENT business. Tell me a bit about uh, the the areas that you serve and the products that that you sell.
2: Here at Medtronic, we really primarily focus on two of the main disease states in ENT, one of which is chronic chronic rhinosinusitis, which is a 12-week or longer sinus infection that then needs to be treated surgically. The other main area that we deal in is in uh, head and neck tumors, primarily those of the thyroid. For a little bit of background on sinus, that's really the, the, the 60% of our business, it, it's mm-hmm. important to understand a bit. Um, the sinus disease is really related to the mucosa the mucosa that you have in your nose and your sinuses. What, what that does is, it's, think of it as sort of uh, flypaper. It, it, it warms the air that you breathe, and then it also traps pollutants, pollens, dust. So to make that work effectively, you have to have a certain drainage, and most people don't realize it, but... Uh, the average person secretes about one liter of mucus a day and it drains <laughs> down the back huh. of your throat.
0: Let's, let's let that one sink in for a second. I had no idea it was that much mucus. That's a, that's <laughs> good, that's a good fact. Sorry, Vince. Continue. <laughs> that's all right,
2: and, and you don't notice it because it drains down the back of your throat and, it, and it's a thin, clear, uh, viscous uh, fluid. But what happens, and that, that stuns because it constantly renews itself and has to remove all these pollutants that you're inhaling what you have with a sinus infection is when there's a blockage you have a honeycomb of passages and cells in your in your sinuses that they're both uh maxillary uh, under the cheeks or in the forehead and and one when one of those passages get blocked the fluid cannot drain it builds up gets infected and that's when you end up with uh, a sinus infection mm-hmm. and, and the classic pain that you would find in depending on where the infection is itself so what we're really talking about in, in treating uh, sinusitis is a plumbing issue, right? We need to reopen those passageways to restore the natural flow and have the body work normally again, say the sinuses work normally again. And that's what we do. Uh, we basically reopen the passages, there's several different ways to do it. Uh, we have mechanical methods, which is what we call a microdebrider, which is basically a uh, uh, think of it as a rotating drill that then removes and opens up those passages, but also can be done with a balloon. Mm-hmm. You can reopen it, similar as in coronary angioplasty. That, so that's kind of basically what, what uh, the sinus section is about. In head and neck, it's, as the name implies, what you're dealing with there is tumors, primarily of the thyroid. And what you want to avoid is complications. There's complex structures, including nerves. And uh, what we do there is, we have a device called a, a nerve integrity monitor that helps the surgeon make sure that he is not stressing or, or even worse, damaging the nerve during that surgery as he removes the tumor in there. Uh, for, for a little more background, speaking of chronic, chronic sinusitis, it affects about uh, 30 million Americans a year. There's about 1.5 million surgeries done worldwide. Thyroids is about uh, 1.5 million surgeries done as well about 125,000 in US
0: alone. That's great. All right. That's uh, that's obviously an important area. I think it's one that touches, uh, if not everybody who's listening to this podcast, everyone who listens knows someone who is suffering from this. I'm, I'm curious about the procedure to open up the sinuses. Is, how has that advanced over the last decade and a half or, or two decades? I remember when sinoplasty first came out, there was discussion of a more invasive uh, procedure that was necessary. Is that still, is that no longer the gold standard? What is the gold standard of treatment?
2: The gold standard is mucosal preservation, remove as little tissue as possible. And that's where our equipment is helpful with that. It, so, the main, the main transition was, which ZOMED introduced back in the 1990s, was really going from manual surgery using a headlamp and then you know, various hand and inst- steel instruments to the power instrumentation and you doing it under an endoscope. So, the surgeon has an endoscope in one nostril and then has the instrument in the other. And operates uh, that way, removing the tissue again, minimally invasive.
0: So, where is the growth going to come from in your business? I know every uh, every operating unit, every business, at Medtronic is charged with with finding new growth and 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 grabbing more market share or introducing new products. Where does uh, ENT's growth come from, separate from let's talk intersect? Let's handle intersect ENT differently, uh, just from your current portfolio.
2: So basically, we have five what we call main product categories in our business. One is the powered uh, systems I mentioned before, which are composed of a console that drives a handpiece. Then you have a series of disposables, uh, about 150 different uh, type of blades, depending on which anatomy you're looking to resect. Uh, Secondly, there is uh, something called image-guided surgery or navigation, which is used by the surgeon to track the tip of his instrument when he's doing the surgery. because It can be quite um, uh, unclear where you're at in the anatomy. And this this basically overlays the tip of the instrument with with a CT scan taken previously. So you always know where you're at, because remember, as you're operating through the nose, you've got other anatomical structures such as the optic nerve, the orbit itself. And then also you can go up to the skull base and inadvertently uh, into the brain. So it helps you protect the surgeon from from going uh, where he doesn't want to be. So that's the second main product line. The third main product line in sinus is what we call uh, tissue health. And that's a series of products that are placed in the nose uh, or in the sinuses, I should say, post-surgically. Remember, this is an open field. You don't sew everything back up again at the end. So okay. you still have pollutants. You still have things come in and you want to prevent bleeding. So you need hemesthetic, You want to prevent bleeding, so you need hemostatic agents. You want to avoid infections, so that means you want to have some antimicrobial uh, product. And then lastly, sinus disease is an inflammatory disease, as I mentioned before. So you want to do what you can to minimize the inflammation by another uh, topical agent. That's really where intersect comes in that we'll talk about a bit later. So as far as where growth comes from, it's really about continuing To uh, expand the market, meaning of all those procedures I mentioned earlier, you know, those those 2.5 million surgeries done worldwide, only about 30, 35% use powered equipment. So we spend a lot of our time and effort training physicians on how to use powered equipment. Same thing with the use of navigation. A smaller percentage of procedures are are used, only a relatively small number of procedures are using navigation right now. Same thing with nerve monitoring, only a certain percentage of procedures. Uh, are using monitoring, doing that. And then finally, with the topical uh, tissue health products as well. So there's a lot of opportunities to expand the adoption of our technologies, probably the best way to put it. Then, of course, there are market share opportunities in certain segments, like in balloons and other areas.
0: Well, that would be a great time to sort of explore where you are with the acquisition of Intersect TNT. All right, we'll take a quick break to visit with Chuck Saren of Propel. Chuck, how do medtech companies use Propel?
1: Med device is really one of our largest focuses. So we've got customers like Zoetis in pharmaceutical, Fresenius Kabi, Anari doing medical devices for thrombectomy, Lavongo doing health monitoring devices for medtech. But really, we help them create, commercialize, and correct their products. So create meaning manage the entire product development process, building up their products and documentation, their bill materials, their item masters, the manufacturers, and include that entire value chain for successful product launches. For commercialization, we give access to and manage to new and extended markets, controlling what you can sell where and when. So the product registrations, the EIFUs, the environmental and packaging compliance, and localized information that can be spread to the Omni channels. And also to correct, we manage the entire enterprise quality processes. So your CAPAs, NCRs, audits and SCARs, your training records. And of course, uh, do customer incidences all the way to resolution. So what makes Propel unique? Having both product and quality on the same system and and really allowing the only true closed-loop quality and product solution out there. Um, This is what really gives us tremendous insight in use cases of better next-gen designs or designing for quality earlier in the NPD process. That one source of truth really allows teams to collaborate, to unify their data, to streamline their business processes and be more simplified. And I mentioned the commercialization aspect of tying a service field of assets and sales. So we can do field service quality better by tying asset repairs to the latest changes. And then, of course, being on the Salesforce platform, we can simplify your IT stack and your administration with a very easy-to-use modern interface, as well as having multiple three releases a year give you those validations and allow you to upgrade or pull when you want to upgrade.
0: For more information, go to PropelPLM.com. Well, that would be a great time to sort of explore where you are with the acquisition of Intersect TNT. I know Medtronic had an interest in the company for a long time, has been tracking its progress. Well, why, what led it to uh, to move on acquiring the company now?
2: We, we just felt the timing was right in terms of the market and uh, the opportunity is relative to the fact I mentioned before, the tissue health portfolio that I referenced. We had an entry in most of those segments in hemostatic as well as antimicrobial. We did not have a product offering in the anti inflammatory range, which is a significant part and really the largest part of tissue health. The, the Intersect product is basically a steroid eluting stent. And again, we spoke before that chronic mynoesyndesitis is inflammatory disease, and that is where steroids come in. Most ENT patients with chronic mynoesyndesitis post surgery or even pre surgery get a dose of steroid, systemic steroid. But obviously, there are side effects to that. So what the Intersect product does, the Propel in particular, it's a post-surgical stent that eludes a steroid for two to three weeks post-surgery, and they have, therefore reducing and helping reduce the inflammatory response that you have with sinus. They also have a second product offering, the Synova device, which is actually a revision for a revision case. About 25% of, of Uh, sinus patients have to come back for a follow-up surgery, uh, again, to treat the inflammation. This device, the Synova device, is a very high dosage version of the Propel, about three times as much of the steroid, which then can help reduce the inflammatory response without going back into surgery.
0: And what, I'm just curious internally, what sort of conversations went on? what What occurred now? That made it a, a good time to acquire the company. Did it establish itself enough? Was there? Did you want to make sure there was a, a, an interest for the market? There was a market for this product. Uh, I'm just curious, just h- how a company decides to move on an acquisition. What is sort of the? Is there a, is there a single tipping point, or does it really vary from deal to deal?
2: It, it really varies from deal to deal. A lot of it is timing. For a while, the company had other priorities, and then. It became attractive enough with the stock price where it was at the right point at the right time. Mm-hmm. That we decided to move on it.
0: And what is the the status of the acquisition? I understand it's not expected to close until uh, maybe first half of next year.
2: Right. It's it's currently going through a number of government reviews for antitrust regulations, and uh, so that's going to take a while to work through. But we're expecting it to close before the end of our fiscal year, which is April of next year.
0: How do you work as an organization, knowing that that sort of is in process? Are you, uh, you know, are you beginning to lay down a framework for the company to come in, or do you completely treat it as a separate entity and don't think about integration until the deal is actually closed?
2: Uh, no, we actually we, we do treat it as a separate company, and we are doing integration planning internally, mm-hmm. but we're still running very much as, as separate companies.
0: And do you know what the plans are for the company? Is it just going to? Is it going to function as? Part of your unit is it going to operate as an independent company? Any idea on on employees and such? If there are going to be any changes there,
2: we're still working through all those details at mm-hmm. this point. Okay.
0: Well, it certainly was an exciting acquisition to see. It was one of those companies I'd followed from the very start, so it's it's great to see its uh, its maturation and its uh, ultimately finding a home. Let's go back a bit to your current portfolio. I understand that you uh, have a uh, an image guided surgery. Uh, platform. Can you talk a bit about that and, and, and how and when is that used?
2: Yes, uh, we have what's called an electromechanical system and, and what it basically does, is, as I mentioned earlier, it allows the surgeon to track the tip of his instrument, mm-hmm. be it a, a tool, be it a, a microdebrider blade, in the anatomy of the skull as he's operating to avoid getting into areas he does not want to get into. So it's used mostly for, I would say, medium to complex cases. not used in every case, uh, but it provides that extra assurance that the surgeon is where he intended to be.
0: Is that used, are these procedures typically done uh, in hospital, in uh, ambulatory surgical centers? Where, where, are, where are you selling those uh, those systems?
2: Those systems are both in hospitals as well as ambulatory surgery centers. About 70% of procedures, sinus procedures are done in ORs, about 30% in the ambulatory surgery center. And then the balloon cases are typically actually done in the office under local anesthesia. Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: I guess it's telling that uh, I'm not asking my COVID question until uh, toward the end of the interview. Normally, this was a first or second question out of my mouth, but uh, how did... I'm sure there was a a significant impact. How did COVID impact the ENT business? And I would imagine that there's uh, that if any any specialty was was sensitive to the the risk of COVID, it would be and one that's working in the in the nasal passage where so much of the the virus congregates.
2: Right. Absolutely. Yes. When COVID first hit, uh, March of last year, uh, sinus surgery basically came to a complete stop as surgeons were. Figuring out how to deal with this, um, we we got involved actually very early on, and we established a number of roundtables with, with thought leaders about different ways of protocols to protect themselves and their patients. And eventually, by the time we got into the second quarter or mid or summer of last year, the procedures started coming back, uh, not quite at the volume that they were before, but but those procedures came back. And then, as we went went through third wave, fourth wave, the impact has been less and less. I think a key point is most sinus procedures don't require an ICU bed. That's obviously a limiting factor, right? With COVID, um, so now we are still seeing not back to pre-COVID volumes, but but getting fairly close uh, because of the fact that we're not using utilizing ICU beds. Just more, it's the pressure on the entire system as the volume of patients are coming into hospitals. And
0: how did you work with uh, your ENT? customers or physicians uh during the pandemic did you uh were you in constant contact with them did you create any sort of different communication channels to keep them abreast of of where you were and, and I guess uh, to understand where they are
2: yes uh as i mentioned we we had a series of global uh round discussing what was going on uh as i said sharing best practices yep. of how to deal with the patient flow and and uh, the, uh, the OR setups, uh, but also we continue to education. I mentioned a lot of our business is about developing the market and, and exposing customers to our interpretation and we, we pivoted to a virtual uh, uh, broadcast of workshops, live surgery, beaming live surgeries with instructors, and, and we continue as best as we could with that effort versus the hands-on, effort, uh, hands-on approach that we've been taking. We have a surgical lab here, and we do hundreds of cases with university hospitals or other centers around the world every year. Here, we had a pivot to a virtual world in this
0: case. And uh, just uh, looking ahead, we talked a lot about uh, growth drivers moving forward. But I'm wondering, uh, within Medtronic, I'm wondering overall in the uh, in the field itself and the specialty itself, where do you see innovation sort of headed? What What are some new approaches or technologies that uh, that have you particularly excited?
2: Yeah, I think there's a number of areas. Uh, obviously, we still have a lot of runways, as I mentioned, in terms of driving adoption, but but there's also many adjacencies. I started by saying that ENT had a lot of specialty fields, some of which we're not into. Uh, exciting areas of unmet clinical needs, such as obstructive sleep apnea, allergic rhinitis, Um And also, even in those uh, specialties we're currently involved with, we spoke before about head and neck cancers, there's many exciting technologies coming to that space, not least robotics. There were opportunities there as well. Hmm. We recently acquired a small company, the PTI uh, device, which helps the surgeon identify the parathyroids when he does the thyroid surgery. Parathyroids are small glands that regulate the calcium in your body that can easily accidentally be removed along with the tumor. So this helps the surgeon detect where those are and avoid that. So there's many many, other areas where we can continue to add new technologies. And then Intersect, in the future, will give us a platform, a whole new platform for us of pharma and drug delivery hmm. that's not been in our core competencies. So beyond their current products, there's many more opportunities to develop those technologies.
0: And with the drugs delivered to those means, would they all be related to... To the sinus, or is that a way to deliver drugs that would affect or, or benefit other parts of the body as well?
2: There could be other areas in well, certainly in ENT. There, you know, drugs are commonly used in uh, in otology applications, but, but but really expanding what we do in the sinuses and because, as I mentioned before, there's about a 25 percent recurrence rate of sinus disease. So, finding ways to reduce that rate through better outcomes.
0: And Vince, are there any opportunities for for more? Care office-based care of, uh, of these
2: patients? Yes, Tom, there definitely is a trend towards that. It started, as I mentioned earlier, with balloons under local. And as physicians got more comfortable with doing procedures in the office, they're starting to do smaller surgeries there as well under local. Uh, other procedures coming into the office also include a new technology called eustachian tube dilation, also using a balloon to open up the eustachian tubes. And I think we'll see more and more advances of minimally invasive surgeries in the office setting as the tools develop. And we are developing tools specifically for that. Smaller footprint navigation systems, uh, different type of equipment that's more suitable in an office setting.
0: And is that, I'm just curious, this may be a premature question, but it always comes down to reimbursement. Does that change reimbursement at all, having it done in the office? Or do you, are you at a point where you're, you're, you must be at a point where you're sort of least anticipating what the impact would be?
2: Right now, depending on the procedure, the reimbursement is, is uneven in the office setting, but, but there's a lot of work by the societies and physician communities to improve that because you can imagine, of course, the more you do in office, you take away the pressure from the OR time or the procedures. Also, patients prefer having procedures done in an office setting versus going into the OR and under general
0: all right, well, it's great stuff. I look forward to, to tracking the uh, Intersect ENT acquisition and, uh, and hearing how it fits into Medtronic. And uh, appreciate your taking time and for, for joining us on the podcast, Vince.
2: Well, thank you very much, Tom. I enjoyed it.
0: All right, well, that is a wrap. Thank you, Propel PLM, for sponsoring this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Thanks again to Vince Riccano of Medtronic for uh, sitting down and sharing his story. And of course, thanks to you, our listeners, for your continued support of this podcast. You could do a few things to help us out, and we'd be even more grateful. Please subscribe to this podcast on any of the podcast players you're listening to. Look for subscribe or follow, and future episodes of the podcast will be sent directly to you. You can also share these episodes on social media. Just uh, post them from your podcast app, or you can find them at devicetalks.com. We have a page there just for the Medtronic Talks podcast. Just uh, click on the graphic for this episode. You'll be able to share that link on LinkedIn, Twitter, and wherever else you'd like to post it. When you do that, please do tag me. I am on LinkedIn, Tom Salemi, S-A-L-E-M-I, or I'm on Twitter at MedTechTom. And while you're on the device talks.com website, please look at our other offerings of our podcasts, our digital meetings, and our in-person meetings, which are happening next year in Boston, Minneapolis, and the West Coast. Again, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Tune in next week. We'll have another great Medtronic Talks podcast waiting for you.